Welcome to Church Online. It's great to have you here. Um, uh, it's great to, that you're participating along with us this morning, wherever you are in the world. And of course, it's great to have you here this morning. Last week, do you remember what I talked about? We talked about this series called Christmas Is. Christmas is what? Receiving. Thanks, Steve. I see that hand, Steve. Christmas is receiving. Christmas is receiving what? Of course, it's the first gift, the gift of Jesus to us. For God so loved the world, not hate, not deny, not condemn. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The first gift of Jesus, the gift of identity. He changed our identity. The gift of ability, the new, a new ability and a new community and a new destiny. That were the four things we talked about last week. The Christmas is receiving. Today, we're going to talk about Christmas is without fear. Without fear. Everybody has secret fears. Now, I'm not talking about the spiders and the heights and, and the darkness and things like that. But I'm talking this morning about legitimate fears such as, if you knew who I really am, would you still like me? I'm talking about legitimate fears like, my life doesn't really matter. Fears of, of dying alone. The fear of that secret that I have, maybe one day somebody might find out. Or the fear of never being lived or loving again. Legitimate fears. You see, four times in the Christmas story, believe it or not, four times in the Christmas story, the phrase, do not be afraid, appears. Do not be afraid. You might remember the story. If not, the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid. The angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. And do not be afraid to Zechariah. And we're going to take this, this story, the Christmas story, apart a little bit. And look at, about, look at this area of fear and what was happening in the Christmas story that day. Now today, of course, we know that the birth of Jesus is good news. But it wasn't good news to the people who heard it for the first time. In fact, everybody was scared back then. They were afraid. You see, each of the main characters, if you think about it, if you think about it, as I've been thinking about it these last couple of weeks leading up to today, if you think about the main characters, what they were dealing with, they were dealing with different kinds of fears, yet they are the same kind of fears that you and I have today, and they exist today 2,000 years later. Let's talk about fear just for a moment. What's happening in our world just at this moment? You see, here at Door of Hope, part of our vision statement, we say that we live in a fragile and uncertain world. We live in a fragile and uncertain world. How fragile and how uncertain is the world in which we live? You think about it just for a moment. Terrorist attacks, virus breakouts, mass shootings, racial tension, violence in the streets, civil wars. And the biggest refugee crisis in our lifetime, millions, millions, millions will not have a home this Christmas. You see, for millions of people this Christmas time, it will not be a merry Christmas. It will be a scary Christmas. Yet the message of Christmas 
is a, is a message that says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And today, let's look at this Christmas story and what the angels, what, the God, what God was trying to say to his people at this time on how to live without fear based on the Christmas story. Let's start with Mary. Let's start with Mary, first of all. Let's think about this young girl. Maybe a mid-teenage kind of age that she was. She had to deal with the fear of what? The fear of inadequacy. Mary had to deal with the fear of inadequacy. This angel appears to this young girl, uneducated. She was poor. The angel said to Mary that God will keep his promise. There is a saviour coming. And by the way, you are going to be his mother. What's Mary dealing with here? Think about it. Let's step back just for a moment. She's unmarried. She's a young girl. And that's nothing unusual, by the way. They got married quite young at that age. But she was a virgin. And by the way, that particular word means exactly the same today as it did back then. Now, she was engaged, and so how does she explain what's about to unfold to her fiancé? She has to have that conversation. I'm about to have a child, and by the way, it's not your child. That child I'm about to have is the son of God. So how does she explain to a mum of friends? How does she go on and share with them what she's just been told, that God is going to be the dad? She's going to have to deliver this baby by herself in a barn. No doctor, no mum, no sisters, no midwife. This is the lifelong task she's about to embark on in raising the son of God. And all these things create that fear of what? The fear of inadequacy. That's what Mary's dealing with. And we find her story, it unfolds in trouble. You think? this. Mary was greatly troubled. You think? <laughs> See, we know, we know. We know the story. We know the story, right? Let's try to put our feet in her sandals at the moment. She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, say these words with me, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. She's deeply troubled. Uh, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel? How will this be? How will this be? Since I am a virgin. This is good news. This is good news for the world. How will this be? That sense of frustration circulating in a my I don't get, but it just this is not good. It's not, this is intimidating news. Come on. Come on. If you were given this message, how would you feel? And by the way, some of you are given messages. And you still respond that particular way. Because sometimes it is, isn't it? Sometimes it is. Sometimes we receive these scary kind of messages from God that he asks us to do this and do that. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's go from Mary. Let's go to the next character in the Christmas story. Let's go to Joseph. Joseph. Joseph, what did he face? Joseph faced the fear of disapproval. Of disapproval. You think about what's going on in his life. Let's go to his sandals just for a moment, if we could. 
His fiance is about to tell him that she is pregnant, but he has not been intimate with her. He loved her. He respected her. But he has not been intimate with her. And so she claims that God made me pregnant. <laughs> and by the way, the baby is going to be the son of God. Now, this is a small town. Remember what happens in small towns, yeah? Gossip's going to spread very quickly. Gossip's going to spread very quickly. He's not the dad. Who's the dad? God is the father. His first reaction is, of course, <laughs> I guess a little bit like yours and mine. It would be a little bit like disbelief. And because he loved Mary, because he loved her, he quietly is going to break it off because of that fear of disapproval of other people. His story is found in Matthew chapter 1. Check this out. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to, here he is, to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, say these words with me, please. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their Sins. This is jo Joseph's story that's unfolding. Can I just ask you a question? We'll come back to this in a moment. Whose approval are you living for? Because some of us can relate to the story of Joseph, can we not? Whose approval are you living for? Are you going to be one of two things, a God-pleaser or a people-pleaser? So Joseph could have missed... If he became a people pleaser, he could have missed the greatest opportunity, the greatest blessing of his life if he'd lived with this fear of disapproval. Let's go to the third group of people. Let's go to the shepherds. We've got Mary, we've got Joseph. Let's go to the shepherds. What did they face? They faced the fear of sudden change. You think about the shepherds at this moment in time of history, what was happening. They were out in the fields, what were they were doing. A bit like surfers, aren't they? Pretty casual kind of people, yeah? They're watching their flocks, they're having the campfire, they're, they've had their dinner, they're feeling full, and they're sitting by, they're playing some cards. And all of a sudden, the, the, the sky lights up like it's never lit up before, and they're just taken back. Who was taken back on Wednesday? Was it Wednesday night? With the super moon. I was the only one that was taken back. <laughs> really? Did you not see that supermoon? Really? Wow. Wow. You won't see it for another hundred and whatever years, so bad luck. <sighs> no, 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 70-something years. No, not 2040. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> but I saw it. Where I, was, where I was from, the clouds, it was fine. It was fine. Where was I? Oh, the shepherds, the shepherds. The skies light up, they're playing their cards, it's just at their feet. They're filled, the, the, the sky is filled with the angels singing. What do they do? They're scared to death. They're filled with this fear. All they want to do, because it's all of a sudden their lives are radically changed. All they want to do is play cards. 
Their story unfolds in Luke chapter 2. Check this out. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. That's super moon. <laughs> and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. <clears throat> but, 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 somebody said to me the other day, Steve, you should write a book about the butts of the Bible. <laughs> Call it the butts of the Bible. <sighs> I like that. Anyway, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Oh, say that with me, please. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. This is good news. This is not sad news, bad news, horrible news, hate news. This is news that will cause what? Great, not depression, not hopelessness. Great joy, great joy for all the people, all the people. This is the shepherds. They're facing the fear of sudden change. You know, when God shows up in your life sometimes and starts to speak to you, no matter how many years, and I've been walking with God for a number of years in my life, all of a sudden, my plans all of a sudden changed. And that's what happens here with the shepherds. This fear of sudden change in their life. And I just want to be very clear that God's not about scaring us. Because the message of Christmas is what? Do not be afraid. That's the message of Christmas. Let's go to the next person. The next person is Herod. What do we know about Herod? Well, let's have a look at his story. But before we do, who was Herod? Herod was the king. That's right. Herod was the king. He was the king of the Jews. That means he was king of Judea. The king of the Jews, but the people, they hated. He was hated by the Jews because he wasn't a full Jew himself. Yet here he is, King Herod, the mighty man. I'm the king. I'm the king. He was paranoid. He was filled with fear. Why? Because he was, he was filled with fear because he was about to lose his throne. So paranoid, we are told that um, he had his brother-in-law killed for the fear of taking his throne. He had his mother killed. He had his wife assassinated. Not only that. He had his two sons assassinated. That's how paranoid he was. Because when he hears that the king of the Jews is about to be born, he freaks out just a little, you think. He freaks out. And he orders the death of every baby in Israel under the age of two to try and prevent Jesus from being born. What do Mary and Joseph do? Mary and Joseph are warned in this dream to take Jesus to Egypt. And they don't return to Nazareth until Herod dies. This particular part of the story is found in Matthew chapter 2. It says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, you think? He was disturbed, but not only that. You see, when leaders take over nations, it filters down, and history certainly shows that to us. And it wasn't an excuse in King Herod's day either, as he oversaw and took control and dictation. 
carols that we sing, one of the Christmas And so, you know, the, you know, the, you know the, the Christmas carols that we sing, one of the Christmas carols is Silent Night, yeah? How does that go? Silent night, holy night. What? No, it wasn't. It was not calm. There was a lot going on in history under King Herod and in Jerusalem. They were all a little paranoid by what was about to unfold before them. Let's go to the final one. The story, this is about, this is about Zechariah. Zechariah. I don't know if you know who Zechariah was. Zechariah was a priest. He worked in the temple. In fact, he was older in age. His wife was Elizabeth, that's very good. And, uh, of course, the cousin of Mary. And Mary goes to live, to get away from the scrutiny of it all, goes to live with Elizabeth and Zechariah to avoid all of that kind of stuff. And so here we are. We've got Elizabeth and Zechariah who have prayed so desperately for a baby. Prayer. They've, in fact, given up hope. They live with disappointment. And as I said, they're older in age. This is the fifth fear where Zechariah faced the fear of being disappointed. I just get that sense right now as I speak about this. There's some people here You relate to Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. The message to you this morning, I want you to hear loud and clear from God himself through his word, is do not be afraid. Fear not. The angel shows up to Zechariah in the temple and he says, the angel says, that, that prayer that you've been praying, that baby is actually going to happen. It's going to be a miracle baby. And yes, it's going to happen late or in life for you. But they didn't believe that because they had doubted for so long, so long. And some of us can relate to that fear of disappointment. The story unfolds in Luke chapter 1. It says this. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with, what's the word? Fear. But the angel said to him, what? Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Are you getting the point? That God doesn't want people to live in a place of fear. By the way, Zechariah's long-awaited son was who would come and give and forgive. Baptist, who prepared the way for the one who would come and give and forgive us of our sins. So let's think about these five fears just for a moment. Which one, if I were to call you in a moment, which one, which I might, which one of these fears for you is holding you back in life? Let's bring the fears up just for a moment, if we could. Let's just take these part. Just have a quick look here. Inadequacy. Let's start there for a moment. You might relate to the story of Mary. You don't feel good enough. You don't have what it takes. Can I handle this, this, and this? I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough, intelligent, wealthy, all that kind of stuff. And in fact, maybe some of you have given up on your dream because you've had the same fear as Mary. You felt inadequate. And because of that, you don't even try. Do you, this morning, have the fear of inadequacy? 
What about the second one? What about the fear of dis- disapproval? This is Joseph we're talking about. The fear of disapproval. That you hate to be criticized. There's nothing worse that could come your way than that sense of rejection in life. That you go along to get along. Maybe you've become a ple- people pleaser instead of a God pleaser. That you live to please everyone else to keep the peace. That you may never get that person's approval. And here's the good news. You do not need their approval. What about the fear of sudden change? This is the shepherds we're talking about. You see, the only thing constant in life is change. (laughs) We should have in our vision statement, we live in a fragile and uncertain world and an ever-changing world, don't we? So if you get stressed out when it comes to change, you know the shepherds? You get stressed out, you're going to be stressed you know, you're going to be living in that, that place of stress and fear because everything changes. Everything changes. What about the fear of losing control? We're talking about Herod here, not liking you to a controlling dictatorship at all. <laughs> not at all. But that sense of don't mess with my plans. How do you know, by the way, that you have a fear of, being, um, of losing control? Well, I think the first sign is that you actually try to take control of others. But I think there's a warning light here as well. There's a warning light that goes on, on in our lives, and that, that is worry. What a worry, worry is. <laughs> but we try to control the uncontrollable, and because of that, we start playing God, don't we? You see, worry can't change anything. It can't change the past. It can't change the future. All it does is mess up today. What about the fear of being disappointed? Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, of course, I'm afraid. You know, I can't trust. I don't believe in God anymore. I don't, can't hope. So how do you move on? How do you move on? How do you move out of this place of fear? You do the things that God told these people to do back then. What were they? Let's get on with this. Luke chapter 1 verse 38 says this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You know what she's saying in this moment? I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender my life to you. Surrender my life completely. That's the first thing. Surrender my life completely to God, not just every few days, but every day. That I'm giving God the good, the bad, the ugly each and every day. And we sometimes, well, we try to encourage us to do that in our daily hope, 20 minutes in the chair. And this is how Mary overcame her inadequacy. The second thing I want to bring to our attention after bringing God our lives each and every day is to stop listening to the voices of fear. Stop listening to the voices of fear. Maybe, just for example, maybe just stop watching what you watch. Maybe just stop listening to what you're listening to. Maybe the ideas that are forming in your mind, you need to stop and filter those through somehow. But the question I have for you, is it easy to be positive or negative today? Is it easier to be positive or negative today? It's easy to be negative, isn't it? We don't like to admit that because most of us are, including me. Stop listening to the voices of fear, those negative voices that you can't do it, you're not good enough. You see, when you invite faith in through the front door of your home, fear goes out the back door. They can't exist together. You see, fear is the opposite of faith. They can't coexist 
See, fear is contagious, but so is faith. Hmm? Our news that we watch, we turn on. The local news feeds on crisis each and every day. It feeds on the crisis. If it bleeds, it leads, yeah? And so if you listen or you watch negative, critical, fearful news all the time, that's the kind of person you're going to be. And Mary, Mary, how many people's opinions and voices did she have to block out to hear the one true voice? <laughs> you're pregnant. <laughs> you're going to have God's son. Yeah. Who are you? How many voices did she have to block out? Third thing is to fill my mind with music that praises and worships God. Music is something we're all touched by, isn't it? I sat down on my couch where I do my daily hope last night and I put some music on and it did something so profound. And I know you know that as well. Sometimes music is the only thing that gets your mind off everything else. It's deeper than any other human experience. It's that escape in those tough times. You see, praise is the antidote to panic and worship is the antidote to worry. So there's that sense that we become what we sing. You know, there are 400 Bible references to singing. There are 50 commands to sing. And so to get rid of fear, maybe one way we could do that is by praising and worshiping. Gets the focus of our circumstances, gets the focus of us onto God, how big and how great our God is. You see, the closer that we get to God, the more confident that I will be in life. But the further I get from Him, the more fearful that I will be living in. So one of the best ways going to encourage you as music. What did Mary do? Let's come back to Mary's story. What does she do? Uh, it's recorded in, uh, in Luke um, that she wrote a song. What's it called? It's called Mary's Song. And she sang a song. Luke chapter 1 it's in. And it's no accident that Christmas is the most musical of all celebrations, do you not think? That no other celebration comes close. And so the first Christmas, everybody sang. Mary sang. Elizabeth sang. Joseph sang. The angels sang. Zechariah sang. And the fourth and final one is this, to base my hope on the promises of God. I believe that's what's going to get you through this maybe a, a life of fear. Can I ask you a question? What gives you hope for the up and coming year in 2017? Do you put hope in self? Do you put hope in the economy? Do you put hope in government, public opinion? I put my hope in what God has promised in His Word. Do you know how many promises there are? I think I've got the answer on the screen for you. There are 7,000 promises of God from Him to you for you and I to proclaim in our lives. Are you getting the point yet? Do not be what? Do not be afraid. And maybe you are fearful because you don't know these 7,000 promises. What are the promises about? They're about finances. They're about health. They're about relationships, about um, our career, about our future, about forgiveness, about eternal life. But if you don't know them, you can't claim them. There are 7,000 promises. And if you've gone through life long enough not knowing these promises, there's a whole lot of fear that's been built up. And so this is what gave Mary confidence. In Luke chapter one, it says this. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his what? His promises to her. 
7,000 and the biggest promise of them all, the biggest promise is that eternal life through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see, Jesus didn't just come to earth to forgive us of our sins. Yes, that's a part of it. He didn't just come to earth to get us into heaven. It's a part of it. But he also came to eliminate our fears once and for all here and now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know that Christmas carol, just as we finish up and I hand over to Sam to lead us just in a little bit of an item. One of my favorites, it's called, O Little Town of Bethlehem. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I want to say a quick prayer. I realize time's moved on, but I just want to have this holy moment right now. And to tell you the truth, I, don't, I didn't really know. I was back and forth in my mind for trying to figure out what to do right now. So with two minutes to go, I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes right across this room because there's six groups of people here this morning. And then I'm going to do one by one. And I'm going to ask you to remain standing to proclaim victory in this area of your life this morning. And by the way, this is not for everyone. This may not be for everyone. But if it is for you, I'm going to get you to stand. I'm going to dim the house lights just a little bit if we could. Just a bit of privacy here. But this is a powerful thing in doing this publicly, by the way. But if you want to move from a fearful kind of life to a faith-filled kind of life, and you've struggled with inadequacy, if I could say it, I want you to stand right now. Only those who identify with the story of Mary stand right now. You won't be standing alone. You're not standing alone. Mary is your character. All other eyes, heads, please bow. Those people standing, also just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Just think how God used Mary in her inadequacy powerfully. Her life was about to be inconvenienced in a huge way. And you are responding to the God of the impossible. He can make possible. Please remain standing because I'm going to invite those people who have struggled in life or maybe up until now with the fear of disapproval. You relate to Joseph's story, that sense of you can't stand being rejected. If that's you, and please no wide shots on the cameras if that's okay. I'm assuming you haven't done that, but I'm just asking. Let's, let's, let's yeah. Disapproval in your life. Would you please stand now? Disapproval. You relate to Joseph. To tell you the truth, I can't even see you. But God does, and that's what really matters in this moment, this holy moment. Would you proclaim victory in your life in this area of disapproval once and for all? Yes, that may be your past, but it's certainly not your future. When the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. In Jesus' name, may rejection come off of these people who have stood right now. To the third group of people, please stay standing, those people as well. Those third group, the third group of people are those who, with sudden change, you relate maybe to the shepherds, please stand now. My plans, that sense of, I need to be in control. My agenda, my life, I'm going to hand that and give God the control of that. 
If that's you, please stand. And if that's you, I just want to pray a little prayer over you to release that control. Maybe you just put your hands out in front like this and just release that control, that sense of control, maybe over on other people, maybe over your future, whatever control you feel. It's that sudden change. What about... What about disappointment? Let's go to disappointment. What about disappointment? If that's you, please stand right now where you are. Disappointment. We're talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Where that sense of you've been just been disappointed, maybe with God, maybe with people, maybe in life, maybe the work, maybe with school, whatever it is. Would you be willing to stand and say, yeah, I've been disappointed. I face the fear of being disappointed. I am disappointed. I live in a place of disappointment. And maybe this prayer for you right now is that sense of releasing that. Stop holding on to the past and believe in faith, no longer in fear, but to trust and obey, for there is no other way. And one final group of people is maybe that you've been afraid of God. Please remain standing, all these people, because the rest of us are going to join you in a moment. Maybe you've been afraid of God. If that is you, feel free to stand now because if you're ready to move on from being fear, in fear of God and you want to receive Him in faith, would you stand this morning where you are and to receive Him in faith, starting today to surrender your life completely to Him each and every day that you are God and I am not. I want what you want for my life and to help me stop listening to those voices in my life. Help me to fill my mind with the music that gets the focus off me and onto you and to base my hope on the rock-solid promises of God. I want that eternal life, that promise. And I humbly accept, please, humbly accept me into the family and I accept Jesus as my Saviour. Before we all just be seated, just for a moment. And keep this moment where we move in that place of fear, faith, not fear, in Jesus' name.